Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everyone. So we are, we're already in the fifth week of this uh, pretty incredible series, uh, Foundations, and so far, We've taken a pretty serious look at what we believe as a church, and I think that's been great to clarify for a lot of people some things. And so if you've missed any part of the series, please go back and uh, find them online. Um, and we'll get back to kind of what we believe as a church later in the series. But last week, Pastor Brian kind of switched gears a little bit, and we, we started looking at, and we're going to look at today, some of the things that we believe we should all be doing. And so as we dive into this this morning, I just wanted to ask you a very simple question. Just think about it in your mind. Uh, what is the very first thing you do in the morning? How do you wait, like the very first thing after you wake up, what do you do? Because some people have suggested that we get rid of certain alarm clocks because of that really annoying buzz that happens and, and sound that happens. It, it causes tension and anxiety in those first few moments, and it can set the tone for the, for the rest of the day. So this morning, I want to challenge you to, to kind of put first things first, to start your day off in the best way possible. And this morning, it's going to apply to you whether you're a morning person or whether you're a night person, whether you uh, wake up at 4 a.m. or you wake up at 11.59 a.m., uh, and if you wake up that late, we have some other things to talk about, but this is going to apply to you no matter where you're at. And if you put this into practice, it's going to make your life better, right? You're going to have a healthier spiritual walk. If you could put some amount of time in the morning connecting with God, right? that is the wisest, best way you can possibly start your day. Now, uh, today in our culture with so much uh, distraction uh, and so, so fast, uh, how fast paced we are today, it's been said that um, prayer is one of the most difficult things to get Christians to do today. Isn't that interesting? Because what, what is prayer? Simply put, it's talking to God. It's spending time with the Lord of the universe, the one who, who put it all into place. Andrew Murray once said, he said, we must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to earth. Isn't that great? Prayer brings God's power down to earth. And Jesus modeled this. He says in Luke uh, 6, it says, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And James later, he, he reminds us how prayer should really be at the center of everything we do. James 5 says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, right? Do you know 
that the word pray is used 365 times in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Once for every day of the year. It's a great reminder that we should be praying daily. Charles Spurgeon, he says, prayer can never be in excess. You can't pray too much. And that's kind of reflecting on uh, 1 Thessalonians that says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Spurgeon also said, he said, true prayer is measured by weight, not by length. Isn't that great? True prayer is measured by weight, not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length, he says. See, prayer, prayer isn't complicated. Any one of us can do it, right? It's not all that compli- complicated. You praise him, you worship him, you confess to him, you thank him, right? You, you pray for others. You pray that, that you would do his will. You, you, you pray for your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. You pray for the lost, that they would come to know Jesus. But why is it that so many of us just kind of forget to do this? Because the Bible tells us over and over how important it is that it works, that he's listening, that he's bringing God's power to the earth. So today, what I want to do, I want to give you a tool to help remind us um, how to pray and what to pray for. And this, this is something that Pastor Brian introduced to us a couple years ago. Uh, but we thought it was such a great reminder of how to pray and what to pray for that we wanted to, to include it into this foundation series because it's something all of us can be doing. And so the first thing, everyone put your thumbs up. It's based on your hand, so thumbs up. Thumbs up, I want you to write there, be content and thankful. Be content and thankful. We should start our prayers with thankfulness and contentment. And here's, here's how you remember this. When you're asked, well, how's it going? How, how are you doing? You kind of give a thumbs up that says, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. Right? Or when an athlete gets pulled off the field after getting injured, he puts a thumb up and that says, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm okay. Other athletes like to put another finger up and that tells us they're spoiled and there's something seriously wrong with them. But be content, be content, be thankful. Contentment recognizes that God is in control and he knows what he's doing. See, when I'm content, when I'm good, I acknowledge that God is, is, is perfect and holy. He's, he's in control, it glorifies him. On the flip side, when I'm discontent or when you're discontent, what we're really saying is, God, I don't trust you. I'm questioning you, God, I'm questioning your plans. And that doesn't bring him glory at all. And if we're honest, this doesn't come naturally to us. This is, this is difficult. Contentment and thankfulness in all things. We're wired toward discontentment. Don't you feel that? Almost on a daily basis, we are wired for that. It's a conscious choice to pray for and learn how to be content. It's so easy for us to go the other way. I mean, the economy Gas prices, the environment, politics, the Wi-Fi not working like it's supposed to, right? The, the crazy neighbors that leave their garbage cans out too long. Somebody took our regular seats in church today, right? There's so, some of you just had a wave of discontentment as I read through that list, right? So thumbs up. Be content, be thankful, and you should, you should start making a list. This is a discipline in and of itself. Start making a list of the things that you could be thankful for. Maybe it's individuals 
that will come to mind. Maybe it's a family member or a coworker or a teacher. Like, write their names down and thank God for them. Right? Or it's an experience. Uh, my wife just started going back to school in, in grad school. That's, a, that's an experience she could be thankful for. Maybe that's you or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's work or you, you're traveling a lot. Thank God that you're able to do that. Or maybe it's a time when you were suffering and God comforted you through it. Maybe, maybe you think of like a small gift somebody gave you or a word of encouragement or a phone call or a text or an email that somebody, excuse me, that somebody sent you. Thank God for that. Or maybe, maybe it's some of those bigger life-changing things like our faith or the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us when we know him or, 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 or the Bible or God himself or, or the, a community like our church that encourages us to, to, to be more and more like Jesus. Thank God for that. There's so many things to be thankful for. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's a gift. It's all a gift. And Old Testament rabbis gave thanks seriously for everything, for everything. They gave thanks for lamps because it enabled them to see in the dark. They gave thanks when they saw a comet or they looked at, a, at the ocean and the beauty of it. Right? They gave thanks for weather like we often do when it rains. There was nothing too small or off limits when we look at some of the Old Testament rabbis. Disciples would follow them all around because they never knew if there was going to be some new blessing that they, they offered to God for something. How do you thank God for that? See, there's stories, and I'm not making this up. There's stories of, of disciples following their rabbis into the bushes when they're going to the bathroom because they wanted to know, well, how do you thank God for that? Is there a way to thank God for that? And there was. Uh, this is Rabbi Abaye, I think you pronounce it. it. says, Blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom and created in him many orifices and many cavities. <laughs> right? Now, that might sound kind of strange or, you know, kind of coarse to us, but the funny thing is when those things aren't working well, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. And, and, and so you can thank God when they are working well. God, thank you so much. Right? So the rabbis, they would say, shame on us. Shame on us if we think there's anything under this sun that we can't thank God for. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Okay, moving on. We should thank God for people too, all people. People we get along with and people we don't get along with. Right? God, thank you, thank you, thank you. But here's the thing, when we start thanking God for, for people, we need to learn to be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. Because if, if I waited till perfect people came along in perfect circumstances to thank God, how, how long would I be waiting? A really, really long time. And so we can thank God for all people. Romans 8 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for, uh, for good to those who love God. Notice Paul didn't say all things are good. He says, all things work together for good. And that's what we can thank God for in this, that God is working in our lives. Okay? A lot of times I'll go through a, a hard situation or a hard uh, circumstance, and I, I don't want to go through it at the time. It's hard. It's, it's not fun. But on the other side of things, I can say, God, thank you that I didn't, I didn't miss that. Because it's those circumstances, those situations that oftentimes bring me closer to him 
Or maybe it brings me closer to my wife or my family, and we connect in a different way. It makes me who I am. So I can thank God that he's working in our lives. Not that every circumstance is good, but God can even use the bad for good sometimes as well. So we're, we're, we're happy, we're glad, and we thank God for all the things we have, our cars, our, our homes, our, our jobs if we have them, success if it comes, you know, all those things. But above any of that, no matter what the circumstance, no matter where you find yourself in life, you can always thank God for his greatest gift in Jesus, right? You can thank him for his life, his teachings, his, his death, his resurrection. God, thank you so much that you provided a way for us to be with you for eternity. Right. So start making a list of all those blessings that come to your mind and see if you're not transformed just by that practice because contentment and, and, and giving thanks, thankfulness, those are huge keys when it comes to having joy. You want more joy in life? Practice being content. Practice being thankful. Write those lists down. Okay, so we have the thumb. You can put your thumb up. That means be content, be thankful, put your pointer finger up. What I want you to write down for this one is praise him. Praise him. This is going to be easy to remember because this is what people do, right? We, we sing songs in church and peop, some people clap for God. You might see the worship team or other people raising their finger and pointing to God, pointing to, uh, to the sky in praise, now, if that's you, keep doing that. That's awesome, right? Give him praise for that. Or an athlete hits a home run and they, they point, to, to point to the sky and give thanks to God, right? It's easy to remember. Praise him. See, praise is another way that, that we can glorify God in our prayer life, but also in our conversations. Psalm 66 says, Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. See, it's not just singing, it's singing and telling. We should, we should praise him in our conversations that we have with other people. This is, this is where you get into the habit of saying, yeah, God is so great because. You ever inject that into a, into a conversation? Right, you're praising him. God is so good because. See, when God does something awesome in our lives, we should, we should tell people about that. We should give credit where credit is due. That brings him glory. Psalm 148 says, Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. See, this attitude of praise needs to be one that we're developing as we, as we walk with him in our, in our faith. And this is about the greatness of God. We can, we can praise him for all of his attributes, who he is. Right? For instance, I have a list in your outline. Like, God is holy. You can praise him for that, that God, you are separate, you're set apart, you're unique. There's no one like you or you're sovereign. God's in control of the universe. He gives us some freedom, but he is in control. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's almighty. Thank God for that. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows our thoughts. He knows all things. We can't keep anything from him. He's omnipresent. God's everywhere. We can't hide from him. He's eternal. He's existed from all eternity past and will exist into all eternity future. He's immutable. God is unchanging. He never changes. That's why we can, we can take the promises in his word that apply to us and we can count on them today because he's never changing. He's immutable. He's love. He's benevolent to all his creation. 
He's, he shows justice. He's fair in his dealings. Right? He's, he's good. God has goodness. Thank God for that. God cannot do evil. And he desires the best for you. And he desires the best for me. He shows mercy. He has compassion on his creation, those in need, and works on their behalf. And he's truth. He cannot lie. So we can take him at his word. So when we pray, we should, we should spend time praising and adoring God for who he is. Right? God, is God loves your praises. He loves our praises. Okay, so, so far we have our thumb. You can put your thumb up. Be content, right? Be thankful. You put your pointer finger up. We got praise him. And you can put your hands down for this one. Um, and I'm not going to show it to you either because I might get fired if I tried that. It is an international symbol. Most people do speak that language, but... For the middle finger, I want you to write confess sins. Think you can remember that one? <laughs> confess sins. If you ever use the middle finger, you need to confess your sins right away, okay? Remember that as you fight to get out of the parking lot later. <laughs> but here's the question. How does confessing sins glorify God in our prayers? See, 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins... To him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And the key word here is if, because if we don't confess our sins, we're not taking responsibility for them, right? And, and let's be honest, when we sin, is it easier to take responsibility or to blame somebody? Absolutely, it's easier to blame somebody. But when we do that, we're going all the way back to the garden where God tells Adam, you can have anything. Just don't eat from that one tree. Just don't eat from that one tree. And we know Adam eats from the tree and God confronts him. And Adam says, well, it was her fault, God. It was her fault. I was just kind of following her lead. And God, you told me, you know, happy wife, happy life. So I was just kind of going with it. And, you know, how many of you guys have tried that? It doesn't work well with your wife or with God, right? So, but Adam takes it a step further. He says, well, God, you're the one that actually gave her to me. So ultimately, this is kind of your fault. And so here's Theology 101 for us this morning. God is sinless. So God is never at fault when we sin. Isn't that true? He's never at fault. So when we imply that God is somehow guilty, it exposes kind of our ignorance about him, but it also insults his character. But confession on the other side, confession glorifies God because it acknowledges that God is holy and he's perfect and he's the only one that can forgive the sins against him. I'm the one at fault. I'm the one who needs to be forgiven. And when we ask for that, if I'm going to connect with God, that glorifies him. He loves that. So be content, be thankful, praise him in your prayers, confess sins. Now the fourth one, is the, the ring finger. It's traditionally um, where the wedding ring uh, goes. And that wedding ring tells others that we are committed to our spouse. And so that's how you can remember what to pray for uh, with the ring finger, that we're going to commit to pray for others. So you can write that down. Commit to pray for others. And here, this is where you pray for people that you're committed to in life. And that might be uh, family members and friends. That might be uh, leaders in your community or in, in our church, missionaries around the world. If you care about somebody, if you're committed to somebody, pray for them. Pray for the lost that you know to come to Jesus. And 
whenever we pray for others, it's often called intercession. Okay? This is because, in a sense, you're interceding between them and God. You're, you're praying on the other person's behalf. You're bringing their, their needs uh, before God for them. Some, some of the more obvious things that we can pray for people are like healing, spiritual healing, emotional healings, um, psychological healing, physical healing, right? Or maybe it's job opportunities or, or marriage issues or family issues, wisdom, direction in life. You can bring all of those things uh, before God in, on behalf of others. Pray for others' needs as they come to you in prayer. But other things you might not naturally think of is like pray for Georgetown, pray for Texas, pray for, pray for our country, Pray for our leaders. Pray for uh, Christians, missionaries throughout the world who are being persecuted. Pray for God's wisdom and direction in life for them. Be be specific and be real. Now, the last finger we got is the pinky. And for the pinky, I want you to write down, pray for fruit in your own life. And the other ones all kind of make sense. The thumb, uh, be thankful, I'm okay. The pointer, praise him. Middle finger, confess sins. Ring finger, commit to pray for others. But the pinky one's a little bit of a stretch, but follow me on this. Uh, this happened unprovoked to this week. We got raspberries uh, as, a, as a family. And this is what my kids automatically do. Come up there. Yeah, there it is. All right, they automatically put them on their pinkies and all of their fingers, but follow me on this. So uh, the way you can rem- remember this is pray for fruit in your own life. Pray for fruit. If you don't know what fruit is, according to the Bible, uh, let me help you a little bit. Um, Galatians 5.22 talks about how the fruit of God's spirit is revealed in you. It's really our good works. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus spoke of bearing fruit as well. He says in John 15, he says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so fruit is another way of uh, saying our actions. And so when we live out the truth, we're bearing fruit. So this is where you can uh, pray for areas of your life where you want to see change. And I don't think we need to expound on this too much because this is, this is the area where most of our prayers uh, land. All of our needs, our wants, our heartaches, our stresses, our anxieties, our pain. And so pray for those things. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In all situations, bring it to him in prayer. In Matthew 7, this is great. He says, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Bring it to him, whatever it is. What What are we waiting for? Pray. There's so much for us. There's so much for us in prayer 
itself and on the other side of prayer. Just spend some time with him. Pray that God leads you through your day. Pray that uh, you do his will. We talk a lot about that, but that is doing life with God. Invite him into different areas of your life. As you walk into a meeting, as you, as you talk to your neighbor, as you, as you call or talk to your kids, invite him into that while you're doing it or before you're doing it. Right? He wants you to do that with him. He loves it. Thank him, praise him, confess to him, pray for others, right? And pray for fruit. R.A. Torrey said, prayer is the hand that takes to ourselves the blessings that God has already provided in his son. He's already provided blessings. Pray to bring them to yourself. Now, real fast, what if you are stuck in prayer? What if you just aren't getting it or you don't know what to pray? Here's Here's some tips uh, real quick. First, break up your prayer times. No one said you have to get it all in one lump sum. And what we're saying is actually spread it out throughout the day, right? Invite God in moment by moment. Do life with God, not just a moment in the evening and a moment in the morning. Don't be overwhelmed. Start with baby steps, right? Start with just a moment and start adding on to that as you go. Concentrate, right? Focus on God. And this is best done in kind of a quiet, distraction-free place. So sitting on the couch with your favorite show on is probably not the best idea if you're trying to to focus and, and pray. Seek to free your mind of stress, worry, and distractions. This one is tough. I was working on this this past week. It is tough. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But free your mind of all of those things so Jesus is the only thing that you're focused on. If you're not sure what to pray, open up a newspaper. Open up your news app. Pray for things that are happening in our nation right now. There's so many things that we can be praying for. Or or read a Bible passage to him. Look up a, a hymn or a song that you love and just pray it to him. I think he loves when we do that. Now, we end our prayers with amen, and if, if you don't know what that means, it means, so let it be. So let it be. And it shows confidence in God and his love toward us. It, it affirms his goodness and the power of God who, who hears our prayers and acts upon them. It shows our confidence in him. And one day, I think we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to be amazed by how much effect prayer has had. On our, on our nation, on our leaders, here in our church, our loved ones. We're going to see one day how big of a difference prayer is made. And so start today. Start praying. Start praying authentically. Start being real in your prayers. Bring everything to them. Because it's effective and it's powerful. We need to believe that. Let's pray. God, you are good. God, thank you so much for all you've done, that you've given us your word that shows us a better way of living, a better way of praying, a better way of walking through life with you. Thank you that you don't leave us alone, that you've, you've given us that roadmap, that you've given us a way to draw closer to you and to bring our needs and our wants and our desires to you. God, give us all wisdom this week as we, as we bring these things to you, as we start building a habit of praise and prayer in our lives. 
remind us that it is powerful and it is effective, that you are listening and that you answer. God, we are so thankful for all you've done. And we, again, pray for that wisdom that it comes to our minds whenever we need to invite you in to any conversation or any meeting, any, anything that's happening and do life with you. God, we love you and praise you for all you've done. Pray this in your name. Amen.